I'm interested in this topic because although gambling has been legal in certain parts of the U.S. for you know decades and decades, the past five years in particular have witnessed a really dramatic shift in the accessibility of gambling and the legality of gambling throughout the state. So at the U.S. level in general, in 2019, the Supreme Court ruled that states could legalize sports betting if they wanted to. Before that time, it was pretty much restricted to Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, over 30 states have legalized sports betting with several more poised to legalize it and bring it on board in the coming years. And and that's why it's so timely to do this research right now in the state of Ohio, because sports betting is not legal. But as of January 1st, it will be legal in Ohio. So we're really witnessing a dramatic shift from a type of gambling that was not legal before becoming legal and becoming legal in ways that are truly unprecedented. You know, we have casinos in the state of Ohio, but you still have to go to those casinos to gamble. You have to go to the Hollywood casino, you have to go to the Jack, wherever else you might want to go to gamble. But sports betting has been legalized via mobile applications and online betting, which means that not only can you gamble in the state, you can gamble from the comfort and the privacy of your own home on your own device. And what makes that more problematic if it does, or do you know? Well, I mean, honestly, we don't know yet whether or not it's going to be problematic. But my hunch as a a behavioral addiction researcher, as a clinician who has treated people with gambling disorder, is that it's likely to create some problems. I don't think we're going to see an epidemic of gambling disorder or gambling addiction sweeping across the state. I want to be clear about that. But we know in any potentially addictive behavior, and gambling is a potentially addictive behavior, that accessibility, the ability to to get to the behavior itself, so the easier it is to get alcohol, the more likely you are to drink and to maybe develop a drinking problem. The same is my concern for gambling. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I have to drive up to the casino to gamble. It's a little bit different to say, well, you know, it's game day, Sunday, I can pull out my phone and place bets all day long as I'm watching the games. And so that accessibility um, and the privacy of doing it alone just makes me wonder if it's going to take some of the breaks off that people normally have in place when they're gambling that might might keep them from making poor decisions. If if you're doing it alone in private, uh, maybe you're, you're a little less concerned with whether or not people see you losing money or things like that. I see. Now, as I understand it, there are certain personality types, certain ages, a certain demographic that's more likely to develop a problem with gambling. And in addition to that, I read something that you had said that sports gambling is kind of a a different animal than other kinds of gambling. So I wonder if you could break that down for us. Who's more likely to bet on sports, and why is it that sports gambling is different than, let's say, gambling on the ponies or gambling on anything else? Right. No, those those are great questions. And it's true. What, What we know about gambling is that different forms of gambling seem to really appeal to different groups of people. So, for example, slot machine players tend to be middle-aged and older. That, that's the demographic, the group that's more likely to, to play in slot machines. But the sports wagering, what we actually see is it's typically, not universally, but 
typically younger men that are higher educated, typically college educated, in fact, with more disposable income are the most likely to gamble on sports. Now, it's not to say that other groups don't gamble on sports. It's just that more, proportionally, more of those younger educated men with disposable income are likely to do that. I think there's a lot of reasons that it could be that way. I think one of them is that, I mean, frankly, a lot of major sporting leagues just in general advertise to the younger male demographic. That just tends to be uh, the group that they target as their primary fan base. So I think that that's part of it. I think the disposable income piece makes a lot of sense. Gambling does take money, and sports wagering in particular, uh, it's a complex type of betting oftentimes. So we often think, oh, you're just betting on who wins versus loses. A lot of times sports betting is much more complex than that. It's betting on on point spreads. It's betting on over-unders. It's betting on how many points are scored in a given quarter. And so that complexity often appeals to that younger, more educated group as well. There's a, there's a different kind of draw than maybe pulling a lever on the slot machine because it's much more involved in, in thinking and planning and putting things together. Now, it's still gambling. People still develop problems with it, but it, it does play out a little bit differently because of, of the mechanics of it, so to speak. So you think in the case of the younger men who are more educated and have that disposable income, is it because they have that education and they feel like, well, they're the smartest guy in the room? Well, we, we actually are truly curious about that. I, actually, I think that that's a, a testable question. So one of the things that we're studying in our ongoing studies of sports gambling in the nation and in Ohio is the how confident the gambler is, how much they feel like they know more than other gamblers, right? So there's often this illusion in gambling that you can beat the house or that you can figure out, you know, the special knowledge to figure out how to predict where the slot's going to land, predict how the cards are going to fall, or predict how the games are going to play out. And so, of course, sports are the type of thing you can research and the type of thing that you can get more knowledge about. But the reality is, is that gambling is gambling and there is inherently a huge amount of risk. So that there is this probably this appeal of thinking you can get better at it, thinking that your research will put you ahead, thinking that you can figure it out better than your friends, than your colleagues, than your competitors. And I think that that's probably what's there, but we are, we are actually systematically asking people about that so that we can test that and have firm ideas about whether or not that overconfidence is a major factor in the future. And you had said that, there's one question that you can ask a sports better that's going to more than likely indicate that this is a particular person that might develop an addictive relationship with gambling. Tell me what that question is. Yeah, um, I, I think the single best question you can ask the better in your life, or if you are a gambler, you can ask yourself is, do you find yourself chasing your losses, which is a term for when you lose money, are you trying to win that money back? When you enter that cycle of trying to get out of the hole, trying to win back money you've lost, it's almost always a negative indicator. It's almost always a sign or a red flag that something's wrong. I will throw in one second question that I think people should think about as well is, are you hiding your gambling from the people you care about? So if you're chasing your losses and if you're hiding your gambling from the people you care about, that's a pretty good sign that things are going 
sideways, and it's probably a good time to take a break, to cool down. And if that's hard for you, then to talk to a professional about how to do it. 